0: The Financial Sense Lifetime Planning Program.
1: Here's your host, Jim Poplava. Well, it is that time of the year. Coming up, October 15th to December is the sign-up period for Medicare. What happens if you turn 65? Should you apply now? Or if you turn 65 next year, not between this period of time? What plan? Should you have advantage or a regular plan? Those are the topics of today's discussion. Joining me on the program is Brian MacArthur. He's president of Design My Medicare. Brian, you and I were talking before. We just went on the air. Why is it Medicare does sign up periods between October 15th and December 15th? I think we came to the conclusion. Nobody knows.
0: That's correct. I I don't know. uh, And for better or for worse, I have not questioned it. I just prepare for a lot of work in a short seven-week period.
1: So this enrollment period is going to be for starting October 15. This assumes that you have now turned 65. Take us through the steps. What should one do now during this period of time? Who do you contact? Do you do this online? Do you make an appointment to go see somebody at Medicare? Walk us through those steps so for new people that are turning 65, they can understand what they need to do. I think the answers vary a little bit,
0: Jim, depending on whether somebody's on Medicare or not yet on Medicare. For people who are are already on Medicare, I would encourage everybody to set up an account on Medicare.gov. It's not exhaustive as to what it accomplishes, but it does give people a lot of transparency uh, on the plans that are available. Not perfect transparency, but pretty helpful. And what's becoming even more important lately, probably because of the incoming Inflation Reduction Act, which could be an episode all on its own, um, is understanding how your Part D drug plan pricing is going to vary b- uh, next year compared to this year. We're seeing a lot of differences in monthly premiums on Part D drug plans, as well as co-pays for the better and the worse. And one of the great things about Medicare.gov is you can enter your medications and get some very accurate visibility on what to expect in drug plan pricing. Not so much in whether doctors are in network or out, but the, but for drug plan pricing. So I would certainly encourage anybody who already has a Medicare number to set up an account on Medicare.gov. It's helpful for them as well as it's also helpful for the insurance agent who might be helping them. Um, Sticking with the people who are already on Medicare, um, I think there's two schools of thought. They are either on a Medicare supplement plan or a Medicare Advantage plan. Um, Medicare supplement plans there's not a whole lot to know. Um, I think we're going to cover that in a little bit, so I don't want to go too deep into that. However, Medicare supplement plans creep up in monthly premium every year, um, and it never hurts to review your drug plan and the pricing on your Medicare supplement plan. For people who are on a Medicare Advantage plan, Jim, um, I would encourage people to read their annual notice of change that they... Received probably in early September, letting them know of any notable changes, could be in monthly premiums, could be whether their doctors are going to remain in network on their Medicare Advantage plant. And, you know, uh, everything on Medicare is pretty good news, Jim, but it's a competitive world. And, you know, if people are open to finding out if they could maintain access to their doctor on a different Medicare Advantage plan that has the same or lower monthly premiums and maybe gives some extra benefits they're not used to, like a dental benefit, then of course, this is the time of year to handle that. For folks who are under age 65, um, this upcoming open enrollment period may or may not matter a whole lot to you. Um, Most people around age 64 benefit from a gentle introduction to Medicare sometime around age 64. Usually when the amount of mail that people get um, becomes overwhelming, and a lot of the mail people get at age 64, Jim, is all fear-based marketing, deadlines, penalties, consequences. I'm of the opinion that people don't need to worry about that as much as the marketing they receive suggests that they have to worry about it. But but that doesn't mean there's never uh, situations where people can have penalties but um, but ultimately if you're approaching age 65 pretty soon this op- you know there's, there's, there's no shortage of information available about Medicare every fall because this is when the open enrollment period is
1: let's talk about uh, the penalties because I, I recently took on a client who is paying a penalty on his medicare Because he waited several years. He wasn't quite sure what he wanted to do. He was busy. He was traveling, didn't get around to it. Now he pays a penalty. Let's talk about that. And what is it?
0: For sure. So
1: there are penalties if you do
0: not enroll in Medicare on time. Let's call on time uh, in general, age 65. Now, once you're age 65 you're eligible to enroll in Medicare. Medicare is usually good news to great news for virtually everybody. So most people would be quite excited to enroll onto Medicare at age 65. Um, number one, to avoid late enrollment penalties, but number two, because the result is usually better than what they're used to. Um, the, the one set of circumstances where people can not enroll in Medicare and also not worry about late enrollment penalties would be if people have employer sponsored health insurance from an employer with over 20 full-time employees from either their employment or their spouse's employment now the big key there jim where people sometimes i'll give you the i'll give you my observation on the two groups of people who tend to find themselves paying late enrollment penalties most often. Um, The employer-sponsored health insurance needs to come from active employment, not retiree uh, employment. And I'll make the differentiation in a moment. So the two types of people I observe who find themselves paying late enrollment penalties tend to be small business owners like uh like you and me Jim um, very often a business owner is it's not uncommon they're the oldest person in their company and 65 is not old anymore and people are you know having a good time working building their business and business owners are usually very passionate about what they do and age 65 comes and goes and the business owner barely lifts their head up to even consider Medicare because they said well you know I I I invest thousands of dollars a month to have health insurance for my employees and me. I don't think I need to worry about this Medicare thing. That business owner would be safe or likely be safe if they had over 20 full-time employees. But if they have less than 20 full-time employees then one day when they sell the business or they retire, they can find out that they should have enrolled into Medicare at age 65, and perhaps now they're age 69, and now they're subject to late enrollment penalties. So that's the one population of people I find has a predisposition to find themselves paying late enrollment penalties. Number two is also a very specific example. It tends to be younger wife, older husband. The wife very often was a school teacher. The joke I tell Jim is that the only people who can afford to retire before age 65 in this country are billionaires and school teachers, okay? Because usually when you retire from a school district, you can retire well before age 65. And many school districts will give you very reasonably priced health insurance for your spouse and you to get you to age 65. Well, What happens is sometimes, you know, the wife retires at 59, the husband is, let's say, 63, he turns 65, he doesn't worry about this Medicare thing because he's still covered by the school district. Well, at some point, his younger wife becomes 65, so she's going on to Medicare, and of course, she has a valid election period to go on to Medicare, and now he is maybe age 69. And at that point, when he tries to enroll in Medicare Part B, even though he had great coverage for the last couple of years, it was from a retiree status, not active employment. So he actually is not only subject often to late enrollment penalties, but he also does not have a special election period to enroll into um, the most important parts of Medicare as a result of being dropped from the school district plan because his younger wife turned age 65. So it's almost always retired female school teacher, older uh, husband. And, um, you know, it's a very easy uh, window to miss. But for the most part, everybody else is pretty excited to
1: get onto Medicare. I want to talk uh, for a minute about Medicare Part D, because if you're buying a supplemental insurance to cover the Medicare Part D, What is it about insurance companies? One year they cover a prescription and you don't have to pay as much. And the next year that's not on the list. And so oftentimes you have to go shopping depending on your medications for a different coverage or a different company.
0: Yes, that's a great point, Jim. And I think that dynamic is going to become uh, way more dynamic or perhaps even volatile year to year. I'm not here to opine on the totality of the Inflation Reduction Act, but it does seem to have some very specific impacts on Part D drug coverage. Some parts of it look very promising. Other parts of it might be a bit detrimental to other people. So there there's definitely a bit more volatility in drug plan pricing year to year. Um, it's a low margin business for the insurance companies, which does not mean it's not important, but It's a crazy business, candidly, Jim. Even before the Inflation Reduction Act, the average sustainable monthly premium on a Part D drug plan tended to be about $30 a month. Now, as quickly as I tell your audience that, I'm quick to point out there are plans that are $10 a month. There's plans that are $110 a month. And it's a crazy business, Jim, because cheap does not mean it's bad and expensive does not necessarily mean it's good. Um, At Design My Medicare, we certainly care about monthly premiums as do our clients. Um, What we really care about, Jim, is monthly premiums plus the co-pays. We want to focus on the total dollars that will come out of that client's wallet over 12 months, regardless of whether it comes from monthly premiums or co-pays and focus on hard dollars out of somebody's pocket. Because the monthly premiums being high or low alone don't really tell us anything as to whether it's a good plan for someone. So it's important to look at Part D drug plans in measuring total costs over 12 months and not get distracted by monthly premiums or deductibles being high or low. Finally, um, all of that tends to be changing. I will share with you that, and I'm sure you and your audience know the that the federal government is now negotiating... Uh, directly with manufacturers on the their first 10 medications for 2024. A lot of those, but not all, are diabetes-related. Um, I think that anybody who's on those medications will probably see neutral or better pricing for 2024. Um, however, a lot of the Part D drug plans are now... Increasing their monthly premiums. So, if they're getting squeezed on how much they can charge for certain medications, they're just passing on either lost revenue or increased cost to the consumer. So, there are quite a few standalone Medicare Part D drug plans that are going up two and 300% in monthly premiums, Jim, for 2024. Um, there will be some others that'll try to capture the Market share by reducing costs, but it's artificial. It's the marketing department throwing money at it. But the impact thus far on monthly premiums on Part D drug plans due to the Inflation Reduction Act um, seem to be pretty dramatic so far for 2024. And keep in mind, Jim, the Inflation Reduction Act is being phased in over multiple years, so I think we're going to see even more pricing volatility in that market come 2025.
1: Let's talk about two kinds of plans. You can get regular plans or you can get like Medicare Advantage. Medicare Advantage in many cases will cover more expenses, less out of pocket, but you're limited to your medical treatments with the organization you're with. And the reason I'm bringing that up, Brian, is recently here, one of the big healthcare providers, Scripps, has dropped patients for Medicare and I had a good friend who told me about it because I go to Scripps, but I don't have an advantage plan. So I'm able to keep my doctors. He has to go elsewhere. Explain the differences between the two and how do you determine which is better for you? Great question. And and very timely
0: this year, given the Scripps news. Um, so in general, Medicare advantage plans usually have low or very often no monthly premium, which does not mean it's crummy coverage. It's magnificent coverage as long as you're okay with perhaps an HMO. Now, I will point out um, Medicare Advantage plans used to all be HMOs in many major metropolitan areas across the country. There's now starting to be even PPO Medicare Advantage plans. So you still have a network. But of course, if it's a PPO Medicare Advantage plan, you do have the autonomy to go wherever you'd like without a referral. You'd like to stay in network because it's cheaper, but um, Medicare Advantage plans are not nearly as rigid as they used to be uh, when they were all HMOs. So there's uh, a, a lot of people who have HMO Medicare Advantage plans like the idea of moving to a PPO because Those PPO plans usually have more flexibility, still no monthly premiums, maybe a little bit higher co-pays. But the bottom line is you're dealing with networks with a Medicare Advantage plan, and there's usually no monthly premium. Very good coverage though. Medicare supplement plans, which is like what you have, Jim, you pay a monthly premium to paint this with a broad brushstroke. I'm going to say the average person between 65 and 69 years old in the country, most people pay... You know, maybe about two hundred dollars a month between a Medicare supplement plan and a Part D drug plan. So you have a monthly premium, but it's as flexible as health insurance can possibly be, Jim. You, you, matter of fact, when I enroll people on Medicare supplement plans, while I do collect a list of their doctors, I don't even really need to know who their doctors are because they could literally see any doctor in the country without a referral. Additionally, they don't even have to worry about networks anymore. And the top option, which is not the only option. But it is the one that people choose a lot called Plan G really only exposes people to an annual deductible of a whopping $230 a year. So their first doctor's visit every year is on them. And once they pay the $230 bill, they really rarely see a medical bill for the rest of the year. So you get a lot of flexibility for paying that monthly premium. It's not heroes and villains, Jim. Both options are pretty wonderful. You can pay a monthly premium with Medicare supplement, go wherever you want, and basically almost never see a bill. Or you can pay no monthly premium and just navigate the network that your plan is is part of um, and pay modest co-pays as you go along. There's there's no utopia. There's trade-offs. Um, but like I said, it's, it's not good versus evil. It's important to understand the trade-offs and make the best decision for you. That said, this news, um, and and you and I were commenting before the show that uh, your listenership and even my clientele are about 30% here in San Diego and then 70% across the country. But this news with Scripps Clinic, which happens to be a San Diego-based medical group, a gigantic one, a very well-respected one, has made an unprecedented announcement in that they have terminated their contracts with all Medicare Advantage providers starting January 1, 2024. Um, I've never seen it before. It's um it's going to displace about 32,000 people in the in San Diego County. It's probably worth talking about just in case that this is a sign of what's to come across the country. There's no ideal solutions, there are ways for people to keep their scripts, doctors, um, but they'd have to move from a Medicare Advantage plan, which has no monthly premium, to a Medicare supplement plan, which probably costs about $200 a month. Not everybody can afford that. Not everybody will want to pay for that. Um, so that's the surefire way to solve that problem, but at a new monthly premium expense during peak inflation. So solves a problem, but with a trade-off. And for people who don't want to or can't afford a Medicare supplement, Jim, those People will probably have to consider changing their medical group uh, locally, perhaps to UCSD, maybe Sharp, maybe some others. But it's a very disruptive time, at least in the San Diego County Medicare market. But I, without flattering myself that I can predict the future, I I am concerned that it might be a sign of what's to come as the uh, conflicts envision and. Perhaps the economics between the medical group and the insurance companies, there seems to be way more, enough disparity that Scripps canceled the entire relationship. And like I said, I've never seen that before.
1: So, as we conclude here, number one, if you are turning 65, October 15th, you have a chance to enroll. Number two, the best be done online and you should set up something with Medicare online. Number three, You should talk to either a financial advisor or somebody like you to decide what you can afford, what are your medical needs, and what best fits you personally as a medical plan. I agree. That's all great advice, Jim. And Brian, if our listeners would like to contact you, let's say they're they're getting into that situation, how could they do so?
0: The best thing to do is to go to designmymedicare.com. They can... um, perform a little bit of due diligence and get to know um, me and the uh, company as a whole a little bit more. And then in the upper right corner, what typically works best, Jim, is if they click on that link um, in the upper right corner, it'll open a calendar and they can choose the day and time when they would like us to call them. It goes right into our calendar, which we follow religiously. uh, And uh, with the client's permission, we like to keep their, Full service financial advisor updated on the non health related parts of um, their conversations with us. Um, We go to great lengths to make sure that any interaction that a client of a financial advisor has with us one gets a good result for the client, but also reflects well on the financial advisor and gives us an opportunity to report the results of a Medicare enrollment to the financial advisor so that monthly premiums and things like that can be accurately reflected in their financial plan.
1: Well, this is a very important decision. If you're turning 65 or you're going to be retiring in the next couple of years, I think Fidelity puts out a figure every single year on the annual or the lifetime outlay for medical during retirement. And I think it's approaching close to 300,000. So it's a very important decision. Brian, I want to thank you for joining us on the program. And I look forward to talking to you once again on this topic. Well, thank you for having me, Jim.
0: financial losses that result from investing in any companies mentioned in financial sense or arising out of the use of any material on the news hour please be advised that you invest at your own risk